Hey everybody, and welcome to the Little Oracles podcast, an oracle for the everyday creative. I'm Allison Arth. I think it's high time for some little reviews, wouldn't you say? So for those of you who are new to the podcast, I intermix these little reviews episodes among the creative chats and the everyday creative audio essays, basically just sharing thoughts on what I've read recently or sometimes not so recently, but in this year. And that includes our asynchronous book club picks too. And I aim for each of these episodes to run a fleet 10 minutes or so. I also do monthly reading wrap-ups that include micro, and I do mean micro here, reviews of my recent reads over on Instagram at Little Oracles. So you can always follow along there for more timely thoughts on the ABC books and the other stuff that I add to my personal list every month. Or if you just want to see pretty pictures of pretty books, then I encourage you to check out what's going on on Instagram. Today, though, I have for you a collection of books that sit in that really emotionally rich and tender space of the aftermath, specifically the aftermath of the death of a loved one. But before we dive in, I do want to give a gentle disclaimer, which is definitely look up content warnings for anything and everything we discuss here on the podcast, because we want reading to be a safe and an enjoyable experience for everyone. So if you're struggling with grief right now, or if you're feeling a little sensitive or sad, or you just don't feel ready to listen to these particular little reviews of books about death and dying and grieving, then I just want you to know this episode will always be here. And you can skip it now and come back later. Just do what's best for you right now. And you can listen or not in your own time. And now, without further lilacs and larkspurs, <laughs> let's get into the little reviews. So I've got a whopping six books to rumble through today. And I want to start off with The Furrows by Namwali Serpel. So on the face, this is a book about a girl dealing with the loss of her brother. But what I want to focus on here is that the subtitle of this really dazzling little novel is An Elegy. And I think that's incredibly telling and incredibly apt because this book is definitely a lament. It has those, you know, uh, thronotic and almost nihilistic qualities woven throughout. And those are really quite stark and really beautifully lyrical at times. Here are just a few lines that stood out for me. I don't matter. You don't matter. We're all just matter. Codes. Scrambles of signs and symbols. The language the world mumbles to itself, or maybe its consciousness. Our eyes and ears and mouths sprouting like polyps, here to watch and hear and sense it, record its events and ruptures, its growing and its rotting, its dismal spin. So really gorgeous language and really heartbreaking sentiment. There's like something of W.B. Yeats in there. There's almost something Shakespearean in the way that the, the rhymes are constructed, the internal rhymes in particular. So I just really enjoy the writing in this book. But what really fascinates me is that this book edges into this kind of unmoored territory of 
the unreliable narrator, which we talked about way back in our first Little Reviews episode, and I'll link that in the show notes. And it even edges into this hybrid, speculative, magical realist space wherein time is in question and reality is in, like, the veracity of events is in question. And in those questions, the book reflects this kind of meta experience of grief in the sense that the reader is equally adrift or wandering or grasping at what is true and essentially living in the incongruity of memory alongside our main character. And, you know, even with all this uncertainty, the story feels really well paced and plot driven almost. And it really just it stuck with me after I finished it, which if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know, that's the hallmark of a good read for me when I just keep turning it over and over in my mind. And I'm certainly doing that with the furrows. Next up, We Are Okay by Nina LaCour, who wrote Yerba Buena. I think that was kind of a breakout book for Nina. I haven't read it yet, but it's definitely on my to-be-read list. So I'm not going to bury the lead on this one. We Are Okay wasn't my favorite of this little bunch that I'm going to talk about today. You know, overall, it's a really lovely YA novel about a girl who lost her mother when she was three and was raised by her grandfather. It's this true, you know, coming of age story that touches on depression and loss and queerness and unconditional love. And like I said, it's it's lovely. It really is. It's this by turns kind of heart wrenching and heartwarming novel that's told across these alternating timelines. And It has some really great savory turns of phrase that get that, you know, kind of head nod of recognition and that moment of, ooh, what a great way to say that or express that experience or emotion. Here's an example. There are many ways of being alone. Just really pointed, really true, really easy and simple. But there were times that I felt this novel kind of careening into a bit of the melodrama and a bit of that cliffhanging, big reveal, sudden redemption vibe that for me just isn't always my cup of matcha, you know what I mean? But even though this wasn't a so-called soul book for me, you know, the one that I'll reach for again and again, it was a pretty vibrant and weighty narrative that follows our main character through grief and surprise and friendship. And Nina LaCour depicts really adeptly this coexistence of resolution and continuation or this ongoing processing in the emotional arc of our main character, which is really quite the balancing act. So if you like novels that trade in that emotional tenuousness and that operatic big feelings currency, you really might like We Are Okay. So next, I'm going to do something slightly different. I'm going to co-mingle a few memoirs, and a memoir-like. In Love, a memoir of love and loss by Renaissance writer and psychotherapist Amy Bloom. And I mean Renaissance writer in the sense that she kind of does it all. Afterglow, a dog memoir by poet and essayist Eileen Miles. And Alive at the End of the World, uh, an in-memoriam poetry collection by poet and podcaster Saeed Jones, and as you might recall, one of our ABC picks for the month of April. And I'm co-reviewing these because they share some structural elements, some like phenotypical expression in a sense, in that they are all reactions to an acute 
if not an immediate loss of a loved one. And to back it up just for a second to kind of expose my process a little, I read a lot of memoir. It's a genre that I never really touched before a few years ago, actually. Um, But I really enjoy it. And I read most of that memoir in audiobook form. And that's for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that memoir, as opposed to fiction or poetry, for example, it's really listenable in the way that talk radio or like a podcast is listenable. And the second reason is that memoirs are often read by the authors themselves. So it gives the audiobook experience that extra zhuzh of vulnerability or witnessing or just plain emotion. It feels very personal and very immediate. So that's my little plug for memoir in general and audiobook memoir in specific. But back to the books. Here's the top line for all three of them. In Love chronicles Amy Bloom's grieving process surrounding her husband's choice to end his own life at a Swiss Death with Dignity Institute following an Alzheimer's diagnosis. Afterglow is Eileen Miles' tribute to their dog, Rosie, following Rosie's death. And Alive at the End of the World is Sally Jones's kind of reckoning with the decade anniversary of his mother's death, along with other griefs symptomatic of racism and cultural erasure and mechanized white supremacy and heteronormativity in the American socio-political landscape. And the primary reason I'm conglomerating these three is, yes, they're all these kind of memoir-adjacent things, but they all share this quality in their storytelling and in their expression of what I like to call haze. And what I mean by that is that they feel less like reportage and more like this misty remembrance of these little moments that at the time they happened, might seem inconsequential to the authors, but that on reflection, the authors infuse with deeper meaning, which is essentially one of those, you know, fundamental human responses to that elemental ephemerality of existence, you know, that tendency toward finding narrative and pattern and meaning and that trend toward apophenic or pareidolic interpretation that comes really so naturally and that these three authors do with such skill and style. So with Sai Jones, one of the most mind-blowing moments for me was in the notes, actually. He called out the white space in one of his poems, calling it ghost text as opposed to blank space, which just transforms the experience of reading a poem, you know? And this collection is just fully haunted, okay? It's just wall-to-wall ghosts and spectral interdiction and chance encounters with the veil, a true work of heart, if I can be that blunt and that basic, honestly. But it's really, truly this extraordinary collection of poems about struggling through and sitting in grief. And I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And with Amy Bloom and Eileen Miles, it's these incredibly simple but painterly declaratives that got to me. So from Amy Bloom, this stunning sentence, this disinterested dusk is hard, just so raw and unadorned. And I love it. And 
that memoir is just full to the brim with these kinds of sentiments and sentences. And here's something from Eileen Miles, and this one hits. It really, really does. And if you are struggling with the loss of a pet or you have pets who are ailing or older, I am in that position myself. I have two very old cats. I'm sure you've heard them on the podcast. And this book was really hard for me to listen to. It was a beautiful experience, but I just want to give that little disclaimer there. But here's a great line from Eileen Miles. And if you're not familiar with their poetry, there's kind of a a combativeness almost in the way that Eileen Miles approaches writing. It feels very clipped, very blunt, very rough strokes if I were to make kind of a visual art comparison. And I'm always here for Eileen Miles. So listen to this. Because when something's gone from your life, it's like the hole a giant rock leaves when it hits a pond. It doesn't just go, it makes ripples and ripples from them. And slowly the circles move out. I've been swaying in this all year. I know eventually I'll be new without you. So I'll just leave you with those and say that if you're interested in memoir in any capacity, I'd recommend all of these. Though I will say they are real heart rippers, all three. I definitely cried more than once in my time with them. So take care of yourself and choose the time that's right for you mentally, emotionally to pick up one of these books. And speaking of heart rippers, I've got another one for you, believe it or not. I told you this episode wasn't going to be breezy (laughs) right up at the top. But I want to close out with The Death of Vivek Oji by Akwake Emezi. This is a novel that shifts between timelines and characters and memories. And that is such a moving exploration of identity and what it means to be fully seen and fully known and fully you. This line in particular really gives me chills. So if nobody sees you, are you still there? Now, I'm not going to go into the plot here because this book benefits from direct rather than secondhand experience. But suffice to say, it starts with the death and it ducks and weaves and circles and spirals from there. There's this unraveling and reconstruction of remembrance told in this language that's really rooted and kind of mysterious all at once, really mystical in the telling. And while the story at its core has this kind of tale as old as time quality to it, it's nevertheless so surprising. And it's in that surprise that Akwake Amezi deals the ultimate gut punch. You know, it's their dexterity with story and with detail and pacing, like in true mystery genre fashion that delivers those huge emotional blows. Honestly, this novel reminds me somewhat in its, you know, in your feels payload, so to speak, of books like they're There by Tommy Orange, or Sing, Unburied Sing by Jessamyn Ward, or The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead, or even If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin. Just this heavy, heart-rocking, spirit-rending kind of writing that even though it's a rough read, you're ultimately so glad and so grateful for the experience of that art and for the evocation of these emotions. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't think crying is a fun outcome <laughs> when you're reading a book. But in any case, I can't 
recommend the death of Vivek Oje highly enough, uh, provided you're prepared for the true emotional roller coaster that it is. And that's the long and the short of it. I think a little bit more long in this case. Thank you so much for being here. Again, check out content warnings before you pick up any of these books to make sure your reading experience is safe and supportive. If you like what's going on over here at the Little Oracles podcast, share this episode or another episode you're grooving on with a friend or an enemy. You can share it with anyone. <laughs> Leave us a rating or a review. It really helps the podcast grow. And if you want even more big book energy and creativity content, check out the blog at littleoracles.com. Follow us on Instagram at littleoracles. And as always, take care keep creating, and stay divine. That recognition of the ultimate, oh my goodness, sir, guys, wow.